Hey, welcome to Real Talk, episode 43. I'm Todd, this is AJ, Yo. and you know what it is. We're back. Better than ever, maybe. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I've been ill. So, <laughs> I apologize in advance for my voice, although maybe it sounds deeper. <laughs> that was weird. Anyway, uh, really excited to see you guys. Sort of. So, I mean, I'm excited to see you. But we're not seeing you. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> Another little good episode. So, um, yeah, welcome to Real Talk. We're excited to be back. Uh, right away, what is Real Talk? Real Talk is an opportunity to talk about God, life, the Bible, and questions that maybe we, and topics we're uncomfortable asking in your your normal church setting, just yeah. for various reasons. And um, up above, you'll see a link, two different links, actually. The first link is www.theremnant.live slash real-talk. If you click that link, it's going to pull up a form-fillable box. You can enter in a question or topic, and it'll get entered anonymously into a database so that we can talk about it at some point. That's right. Uh, and actually, we, we have 922 questions. We've answered those, and we need more. We want to get to 1,000. It'd be amazing. So if you are a regular viewer, especially or an, a new viewer, actually, any viewer at all, but regular viewers because they're slacking on the questions lately. Agreed. You know who you are. Would you do us a favor and, and go ahead and shoot a topic or a question in there? Again, it doesn't have to be a question. It can be a topic. Um, it's it, it really does benefit people. Oh, yeah. The second blink. Blink. I said blink. The second link below that is www.theremnant.life slash give. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, you enjoy it, or you just like laughing at us, uh, man, just click that link and you can donate anytime directly from your phone. Every cent dollar does count. We'd appreciate it. It's completely tax deductible. Yes, absolutely. I think that's my spiel. Spiel done. So we like to start these off by kind of sharing a little bit about our week. So AJ... How's your week been? It was a beautiful transition. I've been I've been practicing. <laughs> um so this is a reoccurring theme, like just in general. This isn't even necessarily just about sharing yet, but just the idea of I find it funny when when we're not filming real talk. People are like, How are you? I'm like, ah, because like we talk about it so often. Although I feel like the last couple of weeks I don't feel as much like that. I don't know why. That's, that's I think it's because there's actually been so much going assessment. on. Yeah, yeah. I like actually. You're right. Which maybe that's why I'm almost like, huh? What is it? Um. So, anyways, um, <coughs> we had I'm a really so sorry. <laughs> this could happen. Yeah, that's all right. <coughs> hey, you already won. You're ill, so it's all right. That's true. Um, eight days and count. Boom. So. We have life groups. So we do life groups, uh, and I'm the one that's on a Friday night, and um. We had a really good discussion at our, at our previous session, and I was just kind of blown away by the fact that um, we as humans, we get stuck in this mindset of, uh, you know, the, the word that really popped out to me was achievements, right? And uh, we think about, you know, what you know what do we wake up every day, for, you know, to do or, you know, what are we living for, right? And um, it was just really convicting and also just really cool to see people open up about it and talk about, you know, you know what makes them, you know, what makes them wake up, you know, and a lot of the time, unfortunately, even for us Christians, it's not even, you know, we've talked about what's the first thing you think about when you wake up is usually not Christ. It's usually not mm -hmm. God. You know, it's usually some sort of worldly, you know, situation or, you know, person or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was really convicting, but it was so cool because you get to see, you know, just how, you know, Jesus talks about that. This is not easy, but it's better. And, those moments where you do have it, you know, when you do do things you're supposed to do and you, and you are living that out, like you feel that, right? Which is another it's convicting again because you're like, oh, why don't I do that? But I think of it as like a pendulum, right? 
I was actually talking to somebody about this, where, you know, when a pendulum swings, you know, the big swing and it kind of sits, comes back. And I feel like whenever it hits the middle, that's like when you have those moments, right? Of like, that's when you're lined up center, right? And you see, you have your eyes on Jesus and it's like, Phew. and that can last, you know, five minutes to, you know, two months or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, when you think of the pendulum of life. But um, how surreal is that? Like, to me, it's such a cool, like, like not cool, but it's just a good representation of life and how we tend to look left, look right. But we, it's, we only have moments every once in a while where we, we actually are centered on him, right? Mm. Um, and just back to the achievements thing. Sorry, I kind of went in a whole bunch of different directions. But that kind of kind of brought me back to achievements and uh, being on mission, right? Because we talk about, you know, people like, oh, this job or, you know, this position, you know, this, this status in society or whatever, um, you know, this relationship, you know. Um, this car, anything, possessions, achievements. I cheat this, I have this, and it's still empty. You know, you talk about that Bill Zarian guy a lot lately, and, and that really opened my eyes, too, because that guy had everything. Has. Yeah, I, I should say has, you're right. And um, he's still like, eh, whatever. Like, I, I just, it's, it's empty. <coughs> and that's convicting, man, because, you know, what are, what is a true achievement to have? It's it's anything, especially to a Christian, whatever passes over to the other side right so after we pass like what you know and we talk about planting seeds and what life's mission is you know the great commission we had those numbers on real talk live talking about how you know 82 percent of people aren't don't even really know what the great commission is or they do they just don't understand it or they don't know what it is they can't explain it and it's like wow that just kind of really opened my eyes to where we're at overall you know to think about you know what you know true achievement you know planting those seeds and, and allowing people to to hear the word of Jesus, you know, and that's, that's kind of what God wanted us to do anyway. So just kind of wrestling through that whole process. And that was a lot. So that's good. man. <laughs> yeah. But overall it's good. Like it's just one of those really deep So what things. are you doing with that? What is that? What is that getting you to think about? Um, I'm, I'm glad actually, I'm glad you asked that. Cause I didn't really even hint at that was how to apply that to myself. Cause at the end of the day, I can look at, you know, statistics and all these things, you know, where society's at, church, you know, Christianity, church of the capital C or whatever. I can look at all that stuff, but I can only control myself. Hmm. And so I have to look at myself and go, am I giving this everything I I, I can or everything I have? Because if I'm not, I'm just another st- statistic then. And I'm just adding on to that. So application to my own life. You know, am I am I talking about Jesus? Am I am I showing people love? You know, am I am I doing what I'm supposed to do? You know, and if the answer is no, then you know, gotta start doing it. It's important. You know, there's so many broken people out there, so many lost people. Do you think that part of the reason that people struggle with doing it and mm-hmm. applying it is because they're waiting for it to feel natural? Yes, I think so. They're waiting for it to feel comfortable. They're waiting. You know, for to say, you know what, I'm going to, when I feel like telling people about Jesus, I'm going to do it. Like we're waiting Mm. to like have this spiritual awakening that will make us naturally want to do it when I don't think that's ever going to come. I think, I think it becomes natural because of discipline and practice and doing it, you know, because I was thinking about it for myself, what you said. And it's like, sometimes I think I'm waiting for that. I'm like, okay, I'll keep praying God. And when you change my heart and make me want to do this more, then I will do it. Even sure. if I'm not consciously thinking that, that's kind yeah. of the way I live my life. 
you shared a really good story a long time ago that always stuck with me. Um, you were talking about being with some people, and you mentioned how, you know, the solution to a lot of the things that you guys want to do was, well, we're going to keep praying about it. And eventually you said, why do we keep praying for something that I know that we know we're supposed to do? Mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, yeah. that's deep, man. Like, that's so true. Because like you said, they're probably just waiting for it to feel natural. They're waiting for it to be like, okay, this is all right to do because I feel like it, you know? Yeah, the, it, the context was a group of youth leaders. Mm-hmm. I wasn't working in a church at the time. I was working for a faith-based nonprofit was the official term. And mm-hmm. I gathered them together because I had such a passion. I worked with a lot of um, at-risk youth and, and youth that came from tough backgrounds who didn't know Jesus and their families didn't. And we were not equipped, my organization, to be a church, but we definitely were a place that they congregated. Like they would come there. So we would, yeah. you know, the, the pitch was, please come fish in our pond, churches. Like come here and and see that these people are needed. And I was asking about like, how can we partner? And I, I remember, man, it was so disappointing to me and frustrating because they kept, that's what they kept doing. Well, I don't know. And I always felt this sense of like defensiveness. Like they were thinking that I was saying they're doing something wrong. And there was a lot, there was probably 15 like people, like leaders. Yeah. And I, I said, you know, can we, can we do this? And I still remember that this lady's face, she's a, you know, well, I, well, we should definitely take time and pray about it. And I, and I, and I wasn't a jerk, but I said, "Why are we?" He just said, "I said, why are we praying about something God has already told us to do?" Mm-hmm. And then they just got so upset. Yeah. Like, it, you know, I had a couple, like maybe two to three, stay after and say, "I get what you're saying," but everyone else sort of left in a huff, you know. And mm-hmm. Yeah, that. I don't know, man. I think it. I think we we do. It's funny that we we. I think you bring that up is good because. We pray about things that he's already told us to do. Mm-hmm. So God, should I love them? Lord, help me to, you know, should I forgive this? It's like, man, he already told us what to do. You just don't want to deal with it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It is good. Anyways, that was a lot. So I hope you guys got something out of my spiel. And just hey, if they didn't, they're not there, listening. So. Oh, thanks, man. I think my buddy Chris, I just said his name in case mm-hmm. he's watching. Shout out to you, buddy. Nice. He used to have this, I called it a corny church saying he said he i think he got it from his dad or a different pastor or something mm-hmm. but he said if that didn't set your wood on fire what do you okay i'm gonna ruin it i'm not you, then your wood's wet or something like that nice yeah i like so, that though. chris if i Good butchered analogy. it feel free to post it below yeah, the actual below. saying is. <laughs> but anyways how, how are you doing how's your week Jen? um i have been sick so i got sick you probably a month ago i started having sinus stuff i went to the doctor honestly at the time i was just feeling some pressure i went to the doctor they gave me an antibiotic i took it it was like a i think it was a 10 day i'm not Mm -hmm. entirely sure i think that's what it was so i took this and i remember thinking at the end of it i was like man this is still not completely gone (laughs) but i did feel better um because i have a lot of sinus stuff so i'll wait it and then that sunday well first of all all you guys got sick oh everybody everybody got sick um, I don't think I was patient zero. We all know who that was. Casey's watching. <laughs> I'm like, he, he gets so happy when we tell him he's patient zero. <laughs> Jason. Anyway, um, so that Sunday I woke up with this weird, just a pressure. Yep. So anyway, I waited a while and they gave me an, an antibiotic. And honestly, I'm an, I'm an anxious guy when it comes to medicine. So I'm allergic to penicillin. Okay. And I still remember when the doctor told me this, I wasn't super tiny kid and uh he's like yeah it's good thing i think i'm almost probably like yeah hey, i could have died if you kept taking it because i got a rash and got more and more sick and that's so terrifying so anyway the doctor this past week i went sunday or saturday i don't remember 
And they're like, yeah, it's probably either, I didn't tell you this part, either it's the one that's still there or you caught something from all the other people that got sick again. Goodness, there's this endless cycle. Yeah. So like, here, <laughs> let me give you this one that is a penicillin derivative, but there's only a 10% chance you'll get sick from it. And I walked out going, boy, one to 10. <laughs> so I said, so I told myself I was going to wait. Because I, you know, online and stuff, it says 10 days, your body can usually beat it in 10 days. So like, if you're not feeling better in 10 days, go to the doctor, like for an antibiotic. I didn't wait. So I think tomorrow's 10 days. Uh, Why did I tell everyone that? I don't know. So part of life. Yeah. Pray that I feel better. I don't want to take that medicine. Hashtag pray for Todd. Boy. Yeah. For my sickness. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So that's, that's been, I don't know why I told a 20 minute speech about the fact that I could have just said it like this, man, I've been, I haven't felt great. Today's okay. Yep. You probably tell by my voice. I just feel really congested still. Yeah. Um, other than that, uh, I've been thinking through some of the same things you said. We had a pretty good life group. Yeah. But also so I had a good talk with Tim, you know, Tim, yeah. we've been talking kind of back and forth through, uh, we have a, an online communication thing for the church. Yeah. And just it started in person Sunday, me asking, and I think through a lot about what Jesus says about forgiveness and sin and how we handle sin in the church. So I won't talk for 40 minutes about this, but I'll give a scenario. So I think it's interesting that if someone comes forward in repentance and they confess a sin, we still discipline them. Like we... We call it discipline. Yeah. Instead of understanding that for them to come forward and admit that is humility and repentance. And so the way we should view it, I think, biblically is how do we help our brother overcome this? That's right. And how do we, our sister, whatever. And I think in the church, we have a culture of punishment. And we say that we don't. And we say, so we preach a lot of times we hear sermons that are sort of fear-based. So they're like, God's going to reveal it. And you know, and you, you're sin, you know, and all that stuff's true times. But it, what it creates is this idea of, well, if God's going to do it anyway, like, why will I go forward? Because I'm, I, we see how people handle. So let's say in a church, there's a church leader, he messes up. I don't know. Maybe he's addicted to, it could be drugs, whatever, right? Sure. could be pornography, could be, maybe he even, you know, the big one, adultery, whatever. He comes forward, he confesses it, she, whatever. What happens? We immediately, uh, they get disciplined. We see how they're disciplined. The whole congregation. Mm -hmm. And then what does that do? It just makes them scared to share, right? Yeah. It's, it's now, I'm not saying scared. to hide anything. I'm, and yeah. I'm, not, I'm not even saying I've landed on anything. But what I'm saying is, that's interesting. Because they've, I think, repentance... See, we don't think about the fact that there are people out there that if confronted with their sin would not repent. Hmm. So what they would do, so, so, so for instance, let's say we've got guy A and guy B. Guy A and guy B both get caught in sin, whatever that is. Guy A says, you're right, I'm sorry, I've messed up, forgive me. Guy B comes up excuse after excuse. It's not my fault, I didn't do this, mm -hmm. you guys didn't help me, my wife didn't love me, whatever, whatever. That's not repentance. Nope. But we treat them both the same because they were caught and not That's really good, come dude. forward. Okay? So here's the thing. Even David didn't repent of his sin until he was confronted by the prophet. Yep. So he kept making excuses. The prophet says it. And then David immediately's response was, what have I done? Whereas Saul, for instance, when confronted, 
his his response was to make excuses. Yep. But we're so afraid, like we're afraid that people are going to repent and not mean it, that we want to punish them or like see if it's real. Mm. And I'm not sure I see that. So then I'm tr- I always try to make this super short and I think I cut a lot of important things out. So I just think it's, I don't know, I've been wrestling with that. Why are we afraid? So I had a guy, part of, let me back up. So in that conversation, we're kind of giving these scenarios, me, yeah. Tim, and another guy. <clears throat> one of our really uh, good friends and, and works in ministry here. And he said, well, I think the reason we do it is because I say, what we always say is like, we're going to make this guy step out of ministry. He's going to step away from the church for his own health. Yeah. I don't necessarily think we always mean that. What you really mean is, is what this guy said. He goes, well, for his own health, what it really means is, well, how's it going to look to the congregation and to the community? And I said, mm-hmm. exactly. It isn't about his health. It's about, we want to make sure that to the community, we are distancing ourselves from this person's mistakes. So it doesn't hurt your image. So it doesn't hurt the image. Right. Now, what if the entire church congregation, something happened, someone's really repentant, they stood by that person so that when the community came against them, they would just say, yeah, we know he did it and he's sorry and he's working on it and he's trying to overcome it. That's right. Because the end goal of anything, even God's discipline, is to restore us and bring us back to Christ. That's what it says. So a crazy verse, man. Um, that, that he shared with me today. Tim was asking me a question. And I've wrestled over this a lot because my mind says, I can't be reading this right because it feels wrong to even me. Well, no, I mean, disciplining, mm-hmm. you know, all of these things. Am I making sense over here? Clint, the intern? He's saying, yeah, okay, he'll tell me if not. If you guys don't know who Clint, the intern is, you're going to hear a lot more about him. That's right. So, um, okay, so it says in 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love casts, or I'm sorry, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears has not reached perfection in love. Mm-hmm. We love because he first loved us. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So if that's the way God loves us, and it's essentially saying, and then you can read it in uh, ESV sounds a little different too. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Fear is to do punishment. Whoever fears is not being perfected by love. It's pretty much the same, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I look at the way God views us. Yeah. And the Bible tells me that um, we are, that God loves us and we shouldn't be afraid of him because if we're afraid of him, then we're worried. Like, we don't, you only fear when it has to do with punishment. Well, it's almost implying God doesn't punish us anymore. He doesn't punish us anymore. The punishment went on the cross. It went on Jesus. That's right. So if if there was so much wrath that it poured over Jesus and there was some left over, then Christ's sacrifice wasn't all sufficient. Nope. And if it wasn't all sufficient, then the whole thing falls apart. That's right. Now stay with me. I know what people are going to argue. You know, if you're a pastor, hear me out there. I'm not saying that there isn't a need for church discipline. What I'm saying is the way we view church discipline needs to change, I think. Mm. Because the goal is not to punish. And a lot of times in the church, we, we just rename punishment discipline, but it's the same thing. Hmm. Right. Well, I'm not punished. We're not punishing him or her. We're just disciplining them. That's right. What's the difference? There isn't. I was telling him, you know, when you think about discipline, a child, because everybody quotes that verse where it says, you know, God doesn't any good father discipline his child. And the answer is yes, right? We know that. And they use that to justify punishment sometimes. I mm-hmm. think we do. We. Yeah. <clears throat> but I was thinking about discipline in different ways in, with children. So 
if a father, if a, if a child is learning how to walk, okay. have you ever seen a dad or mom hold the kid's hands and try to get them to walk? Yeah. When the kid doesn't walk, right? Have you ever seen them? They'll kind of hold their legs up. They don't want to do it. They don't throw them on the ground then and kick them and say, stand up and walk. You didn't mm-hmm. obey me. No, they say, nope, we're going to walk. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show you how to walk. Yeah. That's discipline too, mm-hmm. right? Isn't that disciplining the child? It's saying, no, I'm not going to let you do that. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to make you do what you need to do that's good for you. Yeah. But when we think of it, we think of it as punishment, which is the spanking. Mm. But what if discipline isn't all, it isn't doing that? Because I think even God's discipline is to bring us back to repentance. That's right. So what if someone's already repentant? Why would he hit us mm. if we're already repentant? Yeah. Well, so we mix it up. We apply, we apply discipline and punishment that is intended to bring someone back to repentance. Paul talks about this. And we apply it to repentant Christians. Mm. Does this make sense? Yep. Intern Clint, does this make sense for the world out there? He would tell me. Okay. I'm with you. So I think that that is mind. Like that's what do we do with that? Yeah. Well, because then here's real quick. Sorry. So what all that does, assuming this is right, right, is it makes people afraid to confess their sins. Yes. Because what's going to happen? I'm going to get hit. Yes. Hit. Um, and they're already afraid of God. So then we hide it. Well, what happens when you hide things? Well, they can't be healed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes we, we talk about these issues in the church about that, you know, 80 some percent of men. I, I'm making this statistic up, but it's a high percentage of men struggle with pornography. Mm-hmm. High percentage of pastors struggle with pornography. They've done surveys and out of the surveys. Well, that's horrible. I can't. I was like, okay, that is horrible. Why are, what are we doing to help our brothers and sisters feel loved and safe enough to confess sin. Yep. Instead, you're making them hide it. And mm-hmm. then you're surprised that they're hiding. Like, we have to change the way we view this. That's right. Because the goal is not to punish. It just told us mm-hmm. that. The, the goal of discipline is to help us become more like Jesus. And even when Paul talks about casting people out, Jesus himself said it in Matthew 18. The goal is to... Like the, the tough discipline, the punishment, whatever you want, no punishment, shouldn't you call it, but the spankings, whatever you want to, you know, word you want to hear. The hurtful thing is only to wake them up to repent. Mm-hmm. So don't apply that to a repentant Christian already. They already have repented. That's right. So now it's how do we come beside them, love them, walk with them, teach them how to walk? That's so good. I don't know if that, hopefully that makes sense. It does. Well, so I've been wrestling with that. Essentially, that we've say. created a, a, a culture of just fear. You know, you even think of like, just the idea of God in general, I think a lot of times people are are, are reluctant because they're, they're fearful of it. Yes. You know, I think of like, honestly, this is probably weird, but the first thing I thought of when you first started talking about this and instantly was a Johnny Cash song. And he talks about sooner or later, God's going to cut you down. And like when people hear that kind of thing, like, yeah, like why would they want to follow a guy that's just going to cut you down? And, and, and it's it's terrifying. And like... It yeah, is. it's just creating a, a fear of culture. So why would people want to confess sin? Why would people want want to try to you know do what you're supposed to do when well, in dude. this it's like they're in this weird middle ground because like well I'm supposed to confess but I'm also fearful because these people are doing this you know and if I do it they're just gonna beat me up you know beat you up you know yeah well then yeah you're right and then the scary thing is so already they're afraid to tell any person mm-hmm. are you ready for this though but then they apply that to God and they say. I have to hide from you yep. because what you're going to do is punish me. Yep. When the Bible actually says that when we come boldly to the throne and confess our sins, he is righteous or he is 
um, just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, something that, like, mm-hmm. he is faithful to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Like, that's, that's it. And we don't, we don't live in that, man. And I, I was thinking, again, I was talking with Tim, and uh, this verse has always been a, a fun, a favorite to mine, too, in the heart of Jesus. And he brought this up, because he, we, he was kind of asking me, you know, man, you're, we were talking about, he goes, now I see this verse. And so Jesus says, goes to the tax collectors. Mm-hmm. He tells the tax collector, which a tax collector, it's not just the IRS, we said this, to, back in those times, it was a traitor. It was a Jewish person who betrayed the Jews and was working for the Roman Empire. He said, follow him. While he was reclining at the table, this is Matthew 9, at the house, many tax collectors and sinners, these are not good people, yep. right? came to, according to the culture, came to eat with Jesus and disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Sinners. But when he heard this, he said, those who are well don't need a doctor, but the sick do. Go and learn what this means. This is Jesus. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. <laughs> man. I don't know, man. Like, And he goes, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. And that means the righteous, not sinners. What does he mean by that? He means people who are willing to know that they are sinners. Yep. And I'm like, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Um, It comes from... Hosea actually six six. Jesus is quoting, um, you know, the Old Testament, which is God has always been the same. So you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, man. I, I and even me saying this, I know, I know people out there. They're going. I read what people say. It reminds me of the pastor who told us, told someone in our church that that church takes grace too far, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which is the most ludicrous statement I've ever heard. Um. Because God took it far enough to die on a cross. Yep. Right? Like, God, God, it's just this wild man. So I didn't mean to ramble off that, but no, what, dude, taking what incredible. you said and applying it to, you know, people. So then they're, then there's, then they're in trouble either way. Yep. It's like, I can't confess to humans. I can't, they feel like they can't go to God. So they're hiding, yep. which then takes me back to Genesis. When God said to them right after the sin, where are you? Yep. He knew where they are. Mm-hmm. You know, like. And then you go to that verse that says perfect love casts all fear, out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. So perfect love, correlation, isn't has nothing to do with punishment. It nope. doesn't. It doesn't. Yep. And I think you kind of mentioned earlier, there's such a key difference between punishment and discipline. I think of like discipline, right? Like God doesn't, when he's disciplining us, I feel like what he's doing is he's putting like opportunities or situations in front of us to grow, to to, you know, show our faith in him right but if we don't if we don't do it say like you know he doesn't like no i don't want to do that and you know we don't answer that call right or whatever like he doesn't smack us in the face he's just like all right well i'm gonna do it again you know and to me that's discipline yeah and it doesn't mean that there aren't times that if we are unrepentant or we have something in our life that we're not seeing that it's gonna hurt for him to bring to our attention but when we're repentant we're battling i mean think about that from a from a human perspective. Sure. So your kid comes up and he says something to you you didn't even know. Now God knows. But let's say from human. Dad, I broke the cup. I'm so sorry. And he's crying. Yeah. And he just slaps him across the face. You broke the cup. And he's like, I know. You broke the cup. You broke the cup. Like when does it stop? Mm-hmm. At what point does he is he actually sorry? We call that child abuse. But yeah. we don't like we don't apply that to the father. And I think you're right. And I think my biggest problem is when we apply it to repentant Christians because we are so afraid that they're not really repentant that we would mm-hmm. rather throw out broken, repentant people than we would keep 
then we would rather throw out repentant, pe repentant people just in case than we would keep someone that's unrepentant. Does that make sense? So it's kind of like, well, just in case that's a wolf, we'll throw out the sheep too. Sure, it all goes back to the masquerade, bro. Yeah. I don't know. So that, that yeah, exactly. So, yeah, as long as, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which we'll talk, we, we really are going to put that video on. I think it'll be powerful. Yeah, it'll be a work in progress. So that's what I've been wrestling with. And that sounds like uh, negative. It isn't. No. One, it's for my own personal faith. How encouraging to know my father loves me. And he loves me in a way that I don't understand because I tend to put my human fathers and examples on him and he's not like that. Mm. And like the confidence I could walk out of if I would do that. And then secondly, as a man who has a passion for the church and, a, and a, one of the blessed to be a leader in this church is, what does that mean for our culture? What does that mean for our church? How do we handle things, mm -hmm. you know, situations? That's right. So, that's kind of where I'm at. That's awesome. I apologize I for blowing my nose. I have to. That's all right. Is <sighs> that horribly loud in there, intern Clint? <laughs> goes, yeah. Dude, okay. That was awesome. That was. Yeah, man. I thought it was pretty good. Wow. You kind of started bringing up the other thing, but yeah. And it's crazy because it sounds like God is once again working on all of us in the same kind of direction yeah so man we're just so afraid man we're so afraid i'm, I'm a we're so afraid of looking bad oh, dude that's so yeah i'm afraid of it and that makes me feel like man we are just building a i know this is a popular thing phrase to say but a pharisaical culture what do you think please give us your comments thoughts questions below or feel free to use the link above at www.theremnant.life slash real-talk. Hope to see you next week on Tuesday when we come out with episode 44 or this Thursday at 9 p.m. for Real Talk Live.